message today is you can learn anything on YouTube because the truth is there is so much information available to us. We can learn so many things, but just because there's information, and when I say information, I mean more information than has ever been available to any previous generation. We have all the ability to learn so much more, but the question becomes, can we take it in? Can we teach it? Can, can our hearts learn it? Not can we access the knowledge, but can we apply the knowledge in our lives? And that's why I want you to really hone in on this because there are very few things on the planet that will cost you more than not being teachable. There are very few things that will cost you more than not being teachable. Being teachable is the number one characteristic to success. Success in your spiritual life, success in your emotional life, success in your relationships, success in school, in job, in any area, it all comes back to, can you learn junk that you need to learn to apply? Can you take the information that's out there and actually apply it to your life? Now the Bible tells a story of a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was the most educated guy around. He was a Pharisee, which meant a religious leader. Now, the Pharisees were smart, you guys. They were required to qualify for even an audition to the Pharisees to memorize word for word the entire Old Testament of the Bible. I'll say that again. They were required to memorize word for word the entire Old Testament of the Bible. That is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Joshua, Judges. By the way, these are all books. It, it, it's over a thousand pages with no pictures, okay? They had to memorize all of Psalms, all of Proverbs, all of Isaiah, memorize word for word. And if they messed up a word, they couldn't audition for the deal. They couldn't make the team as a Pharisee. And now Nicodemus was a Pharisee, but he was called the Pharisee of Pharisees, meaning he was the leader of the Pharisees. So of all the dudes that had already memorized the Old Testament and then passed whatever, you know, survivor-esque um, thing they had to do to make the cut, he then was the boss of all of them. So of all of the men in his generation in the nation of Israel, Nicodemus was considered one of the most educated and one of the most wise, one of the most insightful and articulate men in his entire generation. So this dude, I don't know how, the, he, he sets up a meeting with Jesus. And I don't exactly know how this meeting went down, but this dude, who had all of this knowledge and education, said, I'm hearing what Jesus is doing in my nation. I'm hearing that he's teaching these profound things. I'm hearing rumors of what he's teaching. I'm hearing stories of what he's doing. I must go and learn from him. So we have the most educated man seeking out what on paper is the son of a carpenter who never went to school. We have the most educated man with a high political and social standing, seeking out a guy from a village that was born out of wedlock, right? And the most educated guy, Nicodemus, is going to Jesus and defying all social customs and all 
all political customs to go seek out from Jesus to learn from him. So that begs the question, I want you to ask yourself this, am I willing to learn from others? Am I willing to learn from others? You might say, yeah, certain people. But look what Nicodemus did. He, he learned from someone on the opposite side of the political, social, economic structure from him. Someone that many other people would have looked down on and said, eh, that guy doesn't have anything to teach a guy like me. I'm Nicodemus. I've memorized the entire Bible. What he didn't probably know yet was Jesus actually wrote the thing. So Jesus did know more than him. But the idea is that, that we have to be willing to not be bound up in traditional, conventional definitions, but we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to learn from others? So, so Nicodemus, I don't really know how the meeting got set up between Nicodemus and Jesus. Probably he Snapchatted him. Um, That's just like my educated guess. Um, he probably was like, I can't use Instagram because I don't want evidence of me talking to this Jesus dude, so it's gotta be Snapchat, so it's deleted after he reads it. I don't know, I'm just making stuff up here. But somehow he sets himself up a meeting with Jesus. And he, he, he legit goes to the meeting, John chapter three says, in the dead of night. So this is seriously on the DL. He doesn't really want people to know, but yet in his heart, he knows he needs to learn. So he goes to Jesus and he begins asking Jesus questions. And he throws down some real questions and Jesus answers some pretty intense questions from Nicodemus and there's exchange back and forth. And we know that he allows himself, Nicodemus allows himself to be taught and instructed by Jesus. He asks some questions about the kingdom of heaven. He asks some questions about eternity. He asks some questions about God. Now remember, this guy is the top religious leader of his day, asking on paper a carpenter's son about God. Nicodemus had an attitude that said, I will learn where there is learning to be done. I will open my heart to learning no matter who or what or the situation. And so Jesus actually said some intensely uncomfortable, inconvenient things to Nicodemus. He said things like, you have to be born again to get into the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus is going literal, dude. He's like, whoa, as a grown man, you want me to climb up back inside my mom's uterus? Have you, seriously, the first, this was an actual exchange. You guys gotta read your Bibles, this stuff's in there. He, he's like mind exploding, freaked out. Jesus is saying some stuff that Nicodemus has never heard, never thought, can't get his mind around. But somehow in the course of this dialogue, Jesus and Nicodemus, Nicodemus opens his heart. He allows himself to be taught by someone else. And it brings up another really important question for us to ask. It says, am I willing to take to heart things that I learn, even if those things are inconvenient or uncomfortable? Am I willing to take to heart things to learn, even if it's inconvenient or uncomfortable? It is uncomfortable for a grown man to be like, can I please clarify how close to my mother's uterus I need to get to get into heaven? Could you please expound on that? Like that's the exchange, y'all, right? I know, you're freaked out. It's true. But here's what we know. Nicodemus went and had the secret meeting with Jesus. They exchanged, they talked, they had uncomfortable conversation. Jesus challenged the status quo in Nicodemus. And Nicodemus took it to heart. 
Now, the Bible says that when Jesus eventually was crucified, that it was Nicodemus and his friend Joseph that went to the leaders and said, can we have the dead body of Jesus? They went to him because they had power and authority and they were followers of him. Nicodemus, at some point during the ministry and life of Jesus, came to a place where he committed himself to following Jesus. He took Jesus' body with Joseph, laid it in what was supposed to be Joseph's grave, and um, later history writes that, that Nicodemus actually died a martyr's death. That means he was so passionate about his followership of Jesus. In the end, he resigned his political position of being the religious leader of the religious leaders. He gave that all away, all that social standing, all the money, all the economic security that went with that. He gave it away to follow Jesus and the band of fishermen. And eventually, not only did he give that away, but he gave his very life. And he was martyred for Jesus. He was killed for his followership of Jesus. So that's talk about being willing to learn from someone, even if it makes you uncomfortable, even if it's inconvenience. And one of the greatest indicators of success in life and the greatest indicators of success in the kingdom of God is, is teachability. Can someone teach you? Can someone, can you learn from those people around you? Can someone challenge you or redirect you or, or uh, correct you? Do you choose that posture of being teachable? And those people that do tend to succeed in school, tend to succeed in life, tend to exceed financially, tend to succeed spiritually, tend to succeed in all different areas of life. And those who are rigid and unteachable tend to fail. And that's just like really blunt and laying it out for you because although this generation has more knowledge available to us than any previous generation, this generation that we're living in, this time on earth right now, is also one of the hardest to teach. We as a people don't want other people to challenge us. We don't want other people to correct us. We don't want other people to confront us. We don't want other people to hold us accountable. We don't want other people to challenge us in, in how we're thinking or what we believe. And so though we have more information than everyone else, we as a people have become less teachable than generations that have gone before us. Proverbs 9 in the Bible says this, if you correct the wise, they will respect you. Anything you say to the wise will make them wiser. Whatever you tell the righteous will add to their knowledge. So there's characteristics of those who are wise is that they're respecting advice, they're listening to advice, and they're allowing that to be added to the knowledge that they possess. We have to, if we wanna be wise, if we wanna be righteous, we have to take in the knowledge that's being given to us through the Bible and other sources. There are so many ways that we can learn, but overall, there's three basic categories of learning. We learn by what we see, right? It's called the, the I'm sorry, I'll start with listening learners. We learn by listening. So that might be you're learning by listening to me, you learn by listening to your friends, you learn by listening to your teachers, you learn by listening to a podcast, you learn through the concept of listening. The second category is by seeing. You, you learn, some people learn best by seeing someone. Like, I don't know how to weld, but if I watch someone weld, I could learn that skill. I don't know how to fix the car or the Jeep, but if I watch someone fix the Jeep, I think I could learn to do it. So there, there's people that learn by seeing, the, and there's other people that learn, number three, by experience. I have to experience it for myself. So let's leave those up there, and I'm gonna break these down in one quick way. So the listening learner, take the most basic lesson you ever learned, 
How many of your mothers informed you that you should not touch a hot stove? Okay, exactly. So upon hearing your mother say that, how many of you never touched a hot stove for yourself? <laughs> not that many. <laughs> okay, so that lets us know that not many of us learn simply by listening. The second choice is seeing a scene learner. So how many of you learned not to touch the hot stove because you watched your sibling, your brother touch the hot stove and you went, that sucked, right? Okay, a handful of us learned by seeing. How many of you learned not to touch the hot stove because you touched the hot stove? Okay, so that, that kind of lets you know what your choices, you can, you can learn by listening, you can learn by seeing, you can learn by experience. Experience tends to be the teacher that drives the lesson home, but I don't want to learn every lesson by experience, okay? That would hurt really bad. If I had to learn everything by experience, I would have to have my heart broken, I'd have to go bankrupt, I'd have to go through hell and back to have that lesson. So the trick is, human nature is we want to learn by experience, that's instinct. But guys, wisdom is, can I learn from someone by listening or seeing? That way I do not have to make all the mistakes myself. No one is wired to learn that way from infancy. They have to choose to say, I will learn through listening. I will learn through watching my brother act like a fool. I will learn the lessons from the people around me because any lesson you can learn from someone else means you don't have to learn it by suffering. <laughs> And that is such an important distinction. We have to choose somehow. So ask yourself, how do I learn? Is it listening? Is it seeing? Is it experience? And then ask yourself, what do I need to do to switch learning from experience and open myself to learning by sight or by listening? The Bible says it this way in Proverbs 12. It says, to learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. I hate correction, <laughs> right? It sounds like you're automatically getting in trouble. It, the idea of discipline carries a connotation of like, this is going to suck, right? But the Bible's letting us know if we can somehow learn through discipline and not hate the correction, then the correction and discipline don't have to be that harsh. Think of a toddler. If you can tell a toddler, no, no, you don't have to put them in timeout. But if your toddler won't listen when you say no, no, then you have to do the next level, right? Same with God. If he disciplines us by gently telling our heart, no, 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 don't date that fool. He is beneath you, girl. And you listen, he doesn't have to correct you more. But if you don't listen, guess what is gonna be your teacher? Suffering, right? Because that boy will break your heart just saying, no offense to you boys, there's some jerky girls out there too. There is no substitute in the recipe for success for teachability. There is no substitute in the recipe for success for teachability. No matter how talented or gifted or intelligent you are, it will not replace teachability. Even the most talented athlete has to submit themselves to the coach. Even the most intelligent person with the highest IQ has to learn from someone. Even the most gifted at anything on the planet, the most gifted computer programmer, the most gifted um, artist, the most gifted whatever, has to learn technique and concept from someone else, or they will never reach the potential of that intelligence, that gift, 
whatever it is. Teachability is the key that ties all of this together, and we have to tune our hearts to being teachable and directable, and that is not easy. When I was, when I was younger, um, wait, can I just be really honest with you guys for a second? I'm the perfect example of sucking at this. When I, especially when I was younger, I did not, I was not good at being teachable. I didn't want to be teachable. And I'm just gonna, if you don't mind, make a few awkward confessions uh, for your enjoyment to you all of, of how I sucked at this and how it kind of ruined my life as a young person because I had to pay the price of learning by experience. So when I was younger, I was afraid to admit that it was me that screwed up. If I messed up, as we all do, I wanted to point the finger at someone else and blame my brother or blame my parents or blame a coworker as I got a little older, a classmate, a friend. I wanted it to be someone else's fault. I never wanted to say, you're right, it was me, I'm the one that blew that. That was really, really hard for me and I think it is hard for someone else and so I'd become defensive, I'd become resentful, I didn't own it, I didn't wanna apologize, I would just lock down and I would stick to my guns. Here's a perfect example. I was the youth pastor here right out of Bible college and so I was about 21 years old and I was responsible for a lot of people. And one day, um, I have to tell you this part too, the guy before me, the youth pastor before me was notoriously late and so whenever we took trips anywhere, like we would take a busload of students to Elitches or a busload of students to Waterworld or a busload of students to the ski hills or whatever, he would say, come back to the bus at 4 p.m. And they would come whenever they felt like it because he didn't come at 4 p.m. So they would get there at 5, 30, 7 o'clock, like no one cared. And so when I came as a youth pastor, I was like, we gotta get on the bus at four so that we can get here, so we can eat dinner, so we don't get hangry, so we can get over the passes before people die in a bus of flaming death because the bus driver falls asleep on the passes. So I had like this whole plan, right? So we go on our first trip and um, no one comes to the bus and I realize I gotta you know, do something about this. So, so the next trip we take, I said, all right, I know the guy before me didn't care about time, but I need you on the bus at four. And um, and if you're not, I'm going to have you get down on your knees and lick the floor of the bus for six inches. I thought it would be funny. I thought no one's going to want to lick the floor of the bus so everyone will come on time. And then to prove that I really meant it, I promise this is the truth, I got down on the floor and I licked the bus for six inches. And I said, I have licked the bus floor. I will definitely make you lick the bus floor if you do not arrive at 4 p.m. So we went on the trip, everyone arrived. At 4 p.m., every single student was there, and I thought, this was a great idea. I'm a genius. I'm the best youth pastor there ever was. <clears throat> so I did this for a couple years, y'all, and my students came every single time on time until one time they didn't. Two sixth graders one day, after a full day at Elitch's, were four minutes late. And when we did count off at exactly four on the bus and those two teenagers weren't there, the entire bus began to chant, lick the bus, lick the bus. And they were like rocking the bus and chanting lick the bus as the two little sixth grade children came on the bus, the whole bus was chanting and rocking lick the bus. So I had this opportunity to stand up in front of the bus and say, guys, I was wrong. 
That was a horrible rule. We have all walked up and down this bus floor all day. You have stood in the bathroom and used the urinal and it's on your shoe and now you've walked down the hall. I can't make these children lick this bus floor. But I didn't want to be teachable. And I didn't want to admit that I was wrong. So I <laughs> had two sixth grade 11-year-olds lick the bus floor in front of everyone. <laughs> Honest to God, did it. Because I didn't want to admit that I was wrong. Do you know when I got to admit that I was wrong? When the mother of the two sixth grade boys came to church the next day to discuss the incident with me, and I realized I have no defense uh, for what I did, and I cried. Um, <laughs> guys, it's way easier to admit you're wrong immediately than it is to hold your position and keep on making the same mistake. So ask yourself, can I admit when I'm wrong? Can I admit when I'm wrong? Can I own it? Can I make an apology? And can I do it quickly? A sign of teachability is yes, you can admit when you're wrong. As a young person, I wanted to act like I knew everything the other person was gonna say. And so I found myself trying to interrupt the other person to like anticipate and finish their sentences. And it was really unappealing and people didn't like talking to me because it was like I was trying to prove that I was smarter than other people. And that just brings us to the question, like ask yourself, do I assume that I know what the other person is going to say? When I'm talking to someone, do I assume I know what the other person is going to say? Because if so, that's an indication that I am not being teachable. I was slow to initiate, this is my list of confessions, I was slow to initiate, or I was slow to imitate successful things that I saw other people doing. I thought, no, 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 I'm gonna come up with my own idea. Like, I don't know, most youth pastors just said, I'll call your mom and she'll discipline you at home, but no, I said lick the bus floor. Like, I didn't copy other people's good ideas when it was appropriate, I, I was like, no, I know everything, I have all the best ideas, I'm gonna do only my ideas, and I felt like I had to know it and think it for myself for it to work. But the truth is that there's no original idea on the planet. Like everything, the, the people have been here for a long time and pretty much everything's already been thought of. So it's okay to learn from others and ask other people questions. And at first I didn't wanna listen to podcasts or, or read a lot of books about youth ministry because I was like, no, I'm gonna do my, my ideas. But none of us knows everything. And so we have to ask ourselves that question, am I looking for information to make myself a better person? Am I looking for that information? At first I didn't wanna look for it, I wanted to originate it. But no one can originate all the best ideas. And so we have, to, we have to glean from other people around us in every field. We have to glean from other people how to work out to be better. We have to glean from other people how to eat healthy. We can't know all of that ourselves. We have to glean how to create video games and computer program and do the coding. We can't originate everything. We have to glean from others how to play that instrument. And so if we're not willing to like reach out and gather information to make ourselves a better person, then, then we become unteachable. Well, since I'm trash talking myself pretty good, um, I'll just admit a couple more things which is that I had almost too many sentences, pretty much every sentence in, in my teenage years began with the word I. I like to talk about myself. I, I like to tell stories about me. I thought what I did was especially interesting to others and I didn't realize that it wasn't and no one really wanted to hear what I had done that day that much. 
And so there's this time in life where at some point, if we're really going to be teachable, that we have to recognize that we can't be hung up on ourselves. And that's where I was as a young adult. I was hung up on myself. And so that would be the next question to ask ourselves. Am I hung up on myself? Is, is a bunch of my stories about me, my jokes about me, about funny things I did, said, saw, or experienced? Is, does every sentence have me or I in it? Am I hung up on myself? Because that's a sign that I might not be teachable. And this was one of the biggest ones is that when people I loved or respected would come to me and be like, jail, that, that wasn't right what you did. That wasn't cool how you acted or, or needed to correct me or redirect me or challenge my thinking, I shut down. I automatically would like either cry or I'd get angry and then I would be mad at them. And that's a human tendency when, when someone's trying to challenge us to get defensive, but teachable people, the people who end up being successful in life, are able to hear correction or redirection or even criticism from people they love and respect and take it in without lashing back out. And that's a super key thing because all around you there are people that you, you care about and respect, that love you, that wanna help you have a better life. And who that person is in your life is different. For some of you, your parents are absolutely a resource like that, that you should listen to. For some of you, they're not. For some of you, you have a small group leader in here. For some of you, you don't yet. For some of you, you've got a pastor that you're really connecting with, others don't. For some of you, you have a coach. For some of you, your coach is totally untrustworthy. So you have to figure out like, who are the voices that I should allow to speak into my life that should be able to say, ah, that wasn't cool. That needs to change. How you do that isn't right. There should always be some people in our life that can challenge us. And as a young person, I did not like that. That made me feel uncomfortable. It was inconvenient. I, I resisted it, and I always tried to flip it on them and make the situation their fault. So those are my ugly confessions. But I hope that you ask yourself, am I open to feedback from people that I love and respect? Am I open to feedback from people that I love and respect? Psalm 141 says, let the godly strike me. Okay, I'd rather not be slapped across the face. But let the godly strike me, it will be a kindness. If they correct me, it is a soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. Don't let me refuse it. So there's wisdom when we choose to let people speak into our lives that love us. Now, don't just let any fool speak into your life. Don't just let a person who you don't respect, you don't trust, who doesn't know God, who isn't making good choices, whose own life is a giant disaster, don't let them tell you what to do because then your life will end up like their life. But when you know who those people are that you trust and you respect, then allow them to guide you. Allow them to help shape your life because there's so much information out there. There's so many resources out there. Google and YouTube can teach you almost anything. But you and I have to figure out what am I gonna take into my life, apply to my life? How am I, what, how am I gonna adapt my life so that I end up being successful? And the biggest key is that concept of teachability. And I challenge you to find it in your life. Let's pray together. God, help us to be teachable. Send your Holy Spirit to us to guide us into all wisdom and insight. Help us to learn from your word. Help us to learn from church and pastors, help us to learn from godly people around us, whether that's parents or aunts, uncles, grandparents, whoever that might be in our lives. Help us to make the right connections and take in the right information. 
in an age where we could learn anything, help us to learn the things that matter and help us to adapt to who you created us to be. And we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.